The following is a message from Charles Telfer at Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 760-480-8474, wscal.edu or call 760-480-8474. As we remain standing, would you turn in your Bibles with me, please, to Galatians chapter 3. Our text today is verses 10 through 14. You can take out your Greek text or your English versions. I'll just jump right into verse 10. I'll be reading from the authorized version, which may seem slightly vague at points, but is very literal and quite accurate. God's word then from Galatians 3, beginning in verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Thus far in God's word. Would you join me in prayer? Let's pray. We ask, mighty Lord, that by your Spirit you would speak to us on the basis of your word. Please help us then as we speak, as we hear, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, beloved by Jesus Christ. Beloved by Jesus Christ. There are two things that your people need to know to live well and to die well. There are two things that you need to know to live well and to die well. The first is the law. And the second is the gospel. And both of these, the law and the gospel, in our passage today, the apostle underlines and distinguishes. The first of two points that we see here in this text is that by the law, we are cursed. By the law, we are cursed. Look at verse 10. It really underlines this Situation For as many as are of the works of the law, he's talking about people there. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Paul, in his argument at this point, appeals to Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. And this commandment uh, of Moses at this point is, it's talking about what took place later under Joshua. Do you remember? When the people then came into the very heart of the land, right in the center, 
of the land. And some of them stood over by Mount Gerizim, that fruitful, forested hill, and they pronounced the blessings for those that would obey. And the others stood on barren, treeless Gerizim, and they pronounced the cursed. Cursed is this one. Cursed is that one. Cursed, then, in climax, is everyone who doesn't do everything. Do this and live, disobey and die. Surely we're forced to call that some kind of a performance orientation, some kind of a works principle in that arrangement. Paul is contrasting two ways here, two arrangements here. The context and the envelope, if you think of it that way, for our, for our verses 10 through 13 is what? What has Paul been talking about? Um, he's been talking about this gracious arrangement of God with Abraham in bringing a blessing to the nations through faith. That's what he's talking about before our verses. And then if you look, and I'll only touch on it very, very briefly, if you look at verse 14, at the end of our text there, again, he goes back to talking about that other principle, right? God blessing the nations then uh, and justifying them, blessing them through faith, through faith. So Paul is making this clear distinction. Look at verse 12. He really underlines it with crystal clarity here. He says, the law is not of faith. They're in opposition to each other. And then he underlines again just how the law's mode would put people right with God. And he says there, the man that does them shall live in them. The action is on what? Performance. Obedience. Action. Fulfillment. Right? What you do. The broader, the broader uh, subject is God showing grace to the nations in accordance with the blessings on Abraham, which come by faith, right? But then squeezed in between here is this, these verses, 10 through 13, which talk about the law, the law. There is a law arrangement, Paul is saying, and there is a gospel arrangement, and these are opposed to each other. You could almost say here there is a, an Abrahamic arrangement, and there is this Mosaic arrangement, now, that's not to say that the Mosaic arrangement, that the law of Moses doesn't point towards Christ. It surely does, especially in its, um, in its priesthood, in its sacrifices, in, its, uh, in many typological ways. But it's no accident that when he, when he looks at that whole legislation, he focuses then our attention in verse 12 on Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, which highlights that what? Do this and live principle. Performance orientation there. And what is at stake here in this discussion? Well, look at verse 11. What's at stake here is justification. That no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, he says. Paul is saying, the Mosaic system can't help you. The Mosaic system, can't, you can't be justified that way. Now, that, that system requires what? It requires wholehearted, perfect obedience, a thoroughgoing uh, conformity with its demands. Now, you might say, well, that's a beautiful idea. You know, of course. Complete conformity with the commands of God? 
Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Isn't that what God asks of Adam? It's parallel to the situation with Adam, isn't it? Do this and live. A beautiful thing. The curse then, disobey and die. Disobey and die. Well then, how, can, how is it that Paul so quickly can come to his conclusion, which he states there right off in, in verse 10, that all who are under that system are under a curse? How can he go to that conclusion so quickly? That none are justified by God in this particular way. None can be uh, put right with God on the basis of obedience to the law. Paul's logic, as was mentioned in in our devotion last week, Paul's logic here has an unstated assumption. There's a minor premise in his syllogism that he doesn't mention. And what is that? It's that, that death knoll logic that Paul comes back to again and again in his writings which he and his hearers all shared and in which we participate as well. What is it? It's, those, it's that string of Old Testament quotations from Romans 3, isn't it? Verse 10. There is none who understands. <clears throat> there is none righteous. No, not one. They have all turned aside. They have together become worthless, right? There is none who seeks after God. As the reformers saw, as they looked at this passage, and as many others through the history of interpretation, you and I are all implicated in this because we all are that. We're all under that situation. As the old English expresses it in Romans 6, 23, the stipend of every sin is death. And so the question is, how can a person like you stand in front of the holy Lord of heaven. How is that possible? For someone like you to stand before the God of awesome burning purity and be received in favor? That's the question, isn't it? And Paul says here in our text that there is a condemnation, there is a curse, there is a rejection, a judicial casting out that is pronounced on the lawbreaker. And unfortunately, that includes all of us. You know, it seems to me that we, do we have much fear of judicial damnation today? I mean, do we even understand it nowadays? Maybe I'm wrong. It seems to me that at least on a public, on the level of public law and justice, that we live in a rather... Can, may I say, kind of a wussy society, kind of lily-livered in many ways. I mean, do we even have public punishments anymore? I mean, that's standard over human history, to have public punishments. What, 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 what do we do? We shove people off to the side, and stick them in, a, in, in, in prison, right, privately. There is a, uh, there is a house that's, that's within an easy walk of the church building of uh, Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in nice suburban Chicago. And seven days ago, last Friday, a 14-year-old girl who's uh, good friends with my daughter's friends walked into her house after school, freshman in high school, and there was a robbery in progress, and the person stabbed her viciously and left her dead, right there. And, of course, the whole town is in outrage, and the whole whole 
area is, is uh, very upset about this. But Illinois has just changed its law to make sure that that felon will never receive lex talionis. That person will never, under, by the hand of Illinois, will never receive the curse in this life for, what, for the violent murder that they committed. It, it, it will not happen. We don't see it. I mean, do we understand it? Do we, cursing, cursing. Think about this book. I mean, this book has curses from beginning to end. It's starting in Genesis 3, there's a curse. There's a curse in the, in the last paragraph, Genesis 22. Plagues. There's floods of cursing. There's plagues of cursing. Thinking of the nation in, in, as a microcosm. I mean, there's a, what happens at the end of the, of the story? The end of the story is exile and cursing. They're out of there. And there's an ongoing cursing in the New Testament. I mean, we have liars struck dead in the congregation. This is serious. God's curse. Do we, do we understand that? Do we feel that? To be rejected, to be put out. Very serious, very serious. And what is the purpose of, of, of Paul in emphasizing the curse? What is, what is the purpose of the curse in general? Is, is it not in it, the law as it, as it points us to this curse by exposing our guiltiness? Is it not to drive us to our knees? Is it not to humble us? Is it not to make us despair and say, woe is me? Do you remember what, uh, what Bunyan's pilgrim experiences at the hand of Moses? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? The law makes us despair in ourselves. There is no way we can escape God's condemnation by the, by the law or by, by performance, right? Because what? Because by the law, we are cursed, all of us. That's our first point, right? By the law, we, you and I, we are cursed. But let's briefly talk about the second point and the good news from this passage. And that is that, and that's the gospel, of course, right? That's the gospel. And that is that by Christ we are blessed. By Christ we are blessed, very simply put. There's another way of being justified with God, verse 11 suggests to us. There's another way to, to life in fellowship with God, eschatological life, real life. And that's not by performance. Verse 11 points us to what? Towards, it's, it's in a different way. It's in a, it's in a faith way. Faith is not a work. Faith is not a matter of performance. Faith is not a matter of what you do. It's a matter of of whom you trust. It's not a matter of what you avoid or what you accomplish. It's a matter of where you're looking. That's faith. And that directs us to Christ as our great answer. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 presents us Christ, yes, in rather mosaic terms, we must admit. This, this, this language here. This language here. It, what, what do we see? This strange, very, very unusual sight in verse 13. We see this God-damned man, literally. And yet, that cursed man hung on the tree is the what? Is the lamb. He's the spotless one. Strange things. Strange things. The undeserving. Cursed. The one who's born under the law, 
fulfills all the terms of the law and all its requirements with his life is now forsaken, is now cursed in the end. He who accomplishes what we could not do, he who deserves the blessing promised that we could not achieve, even our first representative and forefather, Adam, could not, could not achieve, unfallen, let alone us fallen, this one achieves. He earns the blessing on the one hand, and he suffers the punishment on the other. And what does Paul call it? He calls it here, he uses a mercantile expression, doesn't he? What does he call it? Redemption. Redemption. What's redemption? The paying of a price, eh? And now think, why then are you of value with God? Why, are you, why do you have fundamental value? What's your fundamental value? Because you get good marks on, because you get all A's in your seminary classes, eh? Because your life is so clean, because you're such, your ministry is so outstanding, it's going to be so remarkable. That's why, God like, that's why God receives you. That's why you have value. I mean, isn't, isn't how, how often are, are we, we orient our whole lives to such small things like, you know, I've got to do great in this particular class, and this is it. I'm not speaking against hard work, right? But if that's it, you know, I've got to get that. This, you know your value by the price that was paid for you. And what kind of price was paid for you here? This is a precious price. This is a, an exceedingly valuable price price that's your value there's your redemption price look then for your identity back there back to what happened there in verse 13 there's your value is it is it not necessary for me to say to you with joy at the beginning as i said that you are what that you are beloved that you are beloved beloved of christ you are indeed let me close then with J. Gressa Machen, who says this about our passage, in verse 13 particularly. Here we come to the very heart of Paul's teaching. The curse which Christ bore upon the cross was not a curse that wrongly rested upon him. It was not a curse pronounced upon him by some wicked human law. No, it was the curse of God's law. It was a curse, therefore, we tremble as we say it, but the scripture compels us to say it, It was a curse which rightly rested upon him. But, if that be so, there can be no doubt but that the substitutionary atonement is taught in Scripture. The only way in which a curse could rightly rest upon a sinless one is that he was the substitute in bearing that curse for those upon whom it did rightly rest. That is the heart of Paul's teaching and the heart of the whole Bible. Lamb of God, you are indeed worthy. We bless you for bearing the curse that we richly deserved and you did not deserve in any wise. We thank you for living the righteous life that we could in no wise live. We pray, Lord, that we might go in an assurance of our salvation, secured by your achievements, not our own. Lord, let us go then living in the light of the law, living in light of the gospel, and then let us live a life of gratitude in response. Thank you, Lord, for the securities and the blessings, the overwhelming blessings that we have in Christ. Lord, may we live, then we pray, in a state of sustained awe as we go through all our studies and all our service until the end of our days and beyond the glory. We ask in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. God's blessing.
Copyright 2011, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.